Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, and that is Gains with a Z. My name is Keelan Speed, and I'm joined today by my colleagues Jacob Fitz and Ellis Godwin. Today, we are going to discuss the recently proposed billionaire's tax on unrealized capital gains and a few other things surrounding the topic, including the constitutionality or lack thereof, if and how it would affect people not directly in the billionaire's tax bracket, and what implications it could have on the market as a whole. It is important to note that while Democrats have ultimately abandoned the tax brought forth by Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon, it is not unlikely that we could see this tax proposal again, perhaps in a different iteration. Further, the tax plan now more widely accepted among Democrats would apply a 5% surtax to adjusted gross income, including wages, capital gains, dividends, and business income above $10 million, and an 8% surtax on income above $25 million. Despite the removal of the unrealized capital gains tax, we find it valuable to dive in and see what just exactly what it would have looked like had it been passed. Now I'm going to let Jacob talk about what an unrealized gain is and how the proposed billionaire's tax would work. Thanks for that introduction, Keelan. Uh, like you said, my name is Jacob. And I think the first important thing to know and understand is what an unrealized capital gain is. As of now, gains are only taxed once the investment or stock is sold and there is a realized gain on it, meaning that they now have some sort of tangible or monetary or liquid gain. They're in possession of that gain. An unrealized capital gain is the amount of gains realized in an investment without selling that portion of the stock. So for example, if I had $10,000 invested in stock and over the course of one year, the stock went up in value to $15,000, I would have a $5,000 unrealized capital gain since I never sold my portion of the stock. And so with the law right now, that $5,000 unrealized capital gain is not taxable. However, that is what this tax proposal is going after for billionaires. Many billionaires pay small amounts of tax because of these unrealized gains. And Elon Musk is a prime example to further describe why this proposal was made and its effects on the economy. So Musk has roughly $200 billion stake in Tesla. And since he does not monetarily possess these gains, he's not taxed on it. Many of these billionaires like Musk do not receive uh, of salary or income, whether they have equity in their investments and they are able to get loans in the banks, uh, get loans from banks because of the equity that they possess. And this is what allows them to have the homes or the cars that these billionaires have. So since there is no salary or income, these billionaires do not pay many taxes. The new proposed tax bill, however, would require these billionaires like Musk to pay a percentage of taxes on their gains which means that they would have to sell their shares of the stock in order to pay the taxes. Musk made a pretty interesting move on Twitter by allowing his Twitter followers to vote on whether or not he should sell shares of his Tesla stock to pay taxes. And after his Twitter followers voted yes, and a 57% majority, he sold 10% of his stake, which was roughly $21 billion of Tesla stock to pay taxes. And we saw the effects that this had on the Tesla stock. Um, and there were tremendous effects as the stock dropped nearly 12% at one point as a result of Musk selling only 10% of a share. But this tax proposal wouldn't only have an impact on the billionaires, even though that is the goal of the tax plan. An article in Wall Street Journal discussed the implications this could have on public pension plans, which control around $34 trillion in assets worldwide and trillions in U.S. equities. A lot of these public 
pension plans or used for retirement security for firemen, policemen, teachers, and other public sector workers. And as we saw with Musk, the selling of these shares to pay taxes would naturally lead to a decline in the stock price or performance. And these pension funds that hold a substantial amount of assets invested in the public equity market would be negatively affected by the drop in these prices. So here we would see that the retirement security of tens of millions of U.S. workers covered by these public pension plans would also experience the effects of this tax plan. And as of now, it is estimated that U.S. billionaires hold more than $3.4 trillion in stock, which is more than 7% of the total American equity market capitalization. And so these massive equities, these massive sales would negatively affect all investors, including 401k plans, the pension plans that we just discussed, and retail account holders. And so with that, I'm going to pass it over to Ellis to talk about how this tax would affect uh, the market as a whole. Uh, thanks, Jacob. Uh, like you said, my name is Ellis, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about the broader implications that this proposition may have um, had the proposal been passed. Um, like you mentioned previously, Jacob, billionaires such as Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos um, hold much of their wealth due to long-term capital investments. Um, actually, regarding the top 1% of wealthiest Americans, over 50%, I think it's actually a little bit over 60% of their income takes the form of capital income through investments. Uh, while the overwhelming majority of Americans do not necessarily have this type of income, it comes more in the form of labor. Um, now, while this tax proposal is aimed to ensure that billionaires pay taxes like their other fellow Americans, they won't necessarily be the only ones that are affected um, by the tax bill. Uh, anyone with capital investments may be subject to additional taxes on unrealized capital gains. Um, in theory, the tax proposal increases revenue by ensuring equal treatment across all taxpayers, whether that be billionaires or the more working class citizens. Um, however, each individual that holds any investment interests may be subject to a greater sum of taxes per year as a result of this, uh, this tax bill. Now, an interesting point um, that's worth talking about regarding the tax proposal actually relates to uh, deceased individuals. Now, theoretically, if an heir to a deceased individual's capital investments, he might be subject to this new tax. Essentially, this tax is being enforced upon deceased individuals, um, which is unfortunate for these heirs because essentially as a result of this, the heirs are being punished for uh, the patience and the diligence of the deceased individual for making during the time wise investments that can potentially provide huge future returns. Now, this is one way that this tax proposal can adversely affect um, all Americans with um, capital interest and unrealized gains. Now, a tax of this kind is discouraging for the majority of individuals for pursuing any kind of long-term capital investment. Um, if the threat of taxation on unearned income is present, then obviously taxpayers probably won't want to delve into many investments. Capital investments are hugely beneficial to everyone they are attached to preferential tax rates uh, in the event that a transaction is executed. However, this option becomes far less appealing with the potential taxation on income that never actually made it into a taxpayer's hands. With that being said, I'll let Keelan talk a little bit about the legality of the tax proposal that's been mentioned. 
Thanks, Alice. Um, yeah, so now I'm going to dive into some of the legal issues that we found with this proposal. Um, the problem lies in the fact that with unrealized gains, the profit is derived from the gain and is not actually on hand. Article 1, Section 8 and 9 of the Constitution deny Congress the power to levy a direct tax unless it is apportioned among the several states in proportion to population. This means that taxes must be spread evenly among every person in every state in which the case is proposed, in which the case the proposed unrealized tax, capital gains tax would not have grounds. Further, in Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust, 1895, the Supreme Court held that a tax is direct if it's upon property holders in respect to their estates, whether real or personal, or of the income yielded by such states, and the payment of which cannot be avoided. A tax on unrealized capital gains would be classified as a direct tax because it is a tax on personal property paid by someone who cannot shift the burden upon someone else. Pollock maintained that an income tax was a direct tax and struck it down because, by definition, an income tax cannot be spread equally among the population. This, we know, led to the ratification of the 16th Amendment in 1913, which allowed Congress to levy taxes on income taxes or on incomes without apportionment. The 16th Amendment allowed income to be taxed constitutionally without apportionment, but there lies the problem for unrealized capital gains tax. The amendment only allows an income tax. It does not cover wealth taxes, which is likely why Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen is denying the proposed tax is a wealth tax. Income, upheld by the Supreme Court in the case of Commissioner versus Glenshaw Glass, 1955, means undeniable accessions to wealth clearly realized and over which the taxpayer have complete dominion. Although lawyers could argue that an increase in the price of an unsold stock maintains undeniable accession to wealth over which a taxpayer has complete dominion, arguing that unrealized actually means realized is a more daunting task. Further, Supreme Court opinion Eisner versus McComber in 1920 held that a stock dividend was not income because the dividend did not put any money into the investor's hands. It was an unrealized gain because, quote, every dollar of his investment, together with whatever accretions and accumulations have resulted, still remains the property of the company and subject to the business risks, which may result in wiping out the entire investment, end quote. All of this is to say that while we are by no means legal experts, it is no wonder the proposed tax faces strong scrutiny, as well as it will be interesting to see if this proposal comes back up in the future. Thanks for going over that legality of the tax proposal, Keelan. And I think that that um, mostly wraps up our discussion for the day. Uh, on behalf of all of us, myself, Jacob, and Keelan, we'd like to thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time on the Capital Gains with a Z podcast.